Is it good to be saved? I hope so. I hope you are. I hope that you believe that with all your heart. I sure do. I want you to turn with me to uh, the book of Revelation again, please, tonight. Turn with me to chapter number 22. Revelation chapter number 22. And look with me there in verse number 11. I'd like to read three verses there. And let's, um, let's look another one more aspect tonight of the, concerning the subject of heaven. And uh, look with me in chapter 22. This morning I mentioned that heaven, according to the Bible, is a real place. Number two, we preached out of the Word of God and showed and you need to make reservations uh, to be there. Make sure that your name is written in the book of life. Revelation 22 verse 11 says, now pay close attention here, it says, He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. Which simply means there's coming a day of when It says, he that is unjust, let him be unjust still, and he which is filthy, let him be filthy still, and he that is righteous, let him be righteous still, and he that is holy, let him be holy still. And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. I am Alpha and Sorcerers and whoremongers, and murderers, and idolaters, and whosoever loveth, and maketh a lie. When you see that statement in verse 14 about blessed are they that do His commandments, He is not referring uh, to the law of Moses and the 600 and something different commandments that are found in the law of Moses. John made it very clear in his first three letters what those commandments are. It is that you would believe on the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that you would believe the record that God has left of His Son, that you would confess Him as your Lord and Savior. That's the first one. The second one is that you would love your brother. Love your Brother, with that love that God has put into your heart. Now, what I want you to focus on right now, though, now, before I show you the verse I want to focus on, I want you, I want you to understand that, uh, that, that heaven is a, is a place that, uh, well, it's beyond our description. You can read through the book of Revelation and still scratch your head about some things that you read in there about what it's going to be like. But I know this, I want, I want, I may not be able to understand everything that I'm reading about what it's going to look like, but I want to be there. I'll figure it out later when I get there. I want to be a part of it. And so look with me, please, in verse uh, number uh, 12. The Bible says, and I, behold, I come quickly and my reward is with me. Heaven is a rewarding place. Now let me say that again. A rewarding, I-N-G, a rewarding place. Heaven is not a reward. Heaven is a rewarding place. Now there's a difference on those two things. And it has to be very clear that you understand this. 
Especially if someone is watching and doesn't comprehend some things about salvation. Salvation is not something that you earn. It is something that you receive. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death. You've earned that. That's, you deserve that. He said, But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus said this morning that He was, had gone to prepare a place for us. And then he told us, and you know the way. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man can come to the Father except by me. Salvation, we know, is by grace. I need to emphasize this before we do our Bible study tonight. The grace of God. For by grace are you saved through faith that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. You you know that. And there is a place in heaven for you, if you have trusted the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank God tonight that my inheritance is incorruptible, that it is undefiled and will fade not away and is reserved in heaven for me. My place, part of my inheritance is reserved in heaven for me. And I do believe, according to Revelation chapter 5, verse 9, when we get to heaven and we start singing, if you don't like singing down here, why are you going to go to heaven? You're not going to enjoy heaven. Amen. I mean, you're going to have to, you say, well, I just can't sing very well. The Lord's going to fix that earthly body of yours, give you a celestial body, and you'll be able to just let her rip. Amen. And by the way, oh, we're going to be singing. We ain't going to be singing about mama. We're going to be singing about Jesus. And the Bible says that we will be saying, thou art worthy. Worthy is the Lamb. He said, for thou was slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred, tongue, people, and nation. God wants us to remember his death and sacrifice for us when we observe the Lord's Supper down here on this planet. And even when we get to the other world, he wants us to remember the sacrifice. He'll be the main attraction. He'll be the main attraction. But I do need you and I want to encourage you tonight to see what he says here in verse number 12. I want to thank God first of all for you. For East River Baptist Church, the majority of you men and women have gotten a hold of the value of being a servant of the Most High God. And the value of serving Him is not a burden to you. It is what you want to do. It is a joy. You enjoy serving the Lord down here. And so I appreciate that. I thank God for you. But you you are not uh, the norm. I'm not saying you're not normal. I'm just saying you're not norm for churches today. Now, folks, are, a lot of folks, men, are just, uh, they're just not interested in serving the Lord. I thank God for you. Look in Revelation chapter 20. I know some of you want to serve Him and you ask me, what can you do? And I say, well, I'll pray about it. And then you don't hear from me because I don't know sometimes. Uh, try to find something sometimes for you to do and I do know this, if you want to serve him, he'll find some things for to do outside the church as well, not just inside the church. But he said in verse number 12, look carefully, and I don't want you to look at your Bible with me tonight. Behold, I come quickly, I believe that, my reward is with me. So he is going to reward some things. Did you know that God wants to be known as a God who rewards? Now salvation is a gift. You, you, don't, you don't deserve that and you don't, you didn't earn that. We, we made that very clear. But after you got saved, after God cleansed you, after He washed you, 
After He made you His Son, He set you on a path. He gave you a race to run. He has gifted you in some particular area, some more than others. That is not of our choosing. He chooses what part of the body that we are. But we must develop that. And we must run with that and do our very best. Well, Brother Roger, I'll, I'll start serving as soon as I know what my gift is. Well, you won't start serving then. You just need to get in there and get after it and find something to do. And you'll, your gift will come to the surface. And people will start asking you for things and, and asking you, you know, to, to do certain things because they'll recognize some things in you. You may, not, uh, you may not consider what you do sometimes as a gift from the Lord. You just may consider, well, that's just what I do. Well, it might be because that's what the Lord's doing through you. All right? So my reward is with me. Hebrews 11.6. Does anybody know what that verse says? Hebrews 11.6, without looking it up. John, you know what it says? What does it say, son? I know you couldn't hear him, but he's on the right track. Without faith, it is what? Impossible. To please who? All right. And he that cometh to God must believe that he is he is a rewarder. So when you come to God, he wants you to believe that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. He wants you to believe that. He wants you to believe that He will reward you for what you do in His service. Now, I want you to understand that you don't just get to go do what you want to do in order to please Him. But He can be pleased. Look with me. um, Look at Hebrews chapter 6 verse number 10. We'll look at a few things that you can do. I think you have to understand He makes the rules. And he makes the rules of what he rewards. You don't get to get up there in heaven and say, well, hey, I did this. Where's my stuff? And it might be that he's saying, well, I don't think too much about what you were doing. You were busy, but you weren't busy doing what I asked you to do. Amen. Hebrews chapter 6, God is not impressed with busyness. Hebrews chapter 6 and verse number 10, I love this verse. Here's something that he greatly rewards. And he determines what is rewardable. He does. Chapter 6, verse 10. For God is not unrighteous. So what does that mean? He is righteous, correct? God is not unrighteous to forget. It is an unrighteous thing for you to forget what people have done for you. We are quick to forget what people have done for us. We are slow to forget what people have done to us. Look in verse 10. For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love. Your attitude matters to God when you're doing something for Him. Sister Dixie, didn't we have a time when Harvey came through here? We fed, uh, you cooked 2,000 hot meals, had 500 families Units that came through those doors, we had a blast. It was fun to serve God, and, and it was a blessing to be able to. We set up a, a store. We set up a, uh, don't say Dollar General, but it was less than a Dollar General in there. It was free. 
But man, it was awesome. It was a blessing. People let their window down and they allowed us to minister to them. They allowed us to serve them. What a blessing that was. Now, I don't want to do that about every month, but I wouldn't mind doing that once every couple of years if I could avoid Harvey, you know, to do that. So, but I want to say that it was a blessing. It was a great blessing. But look in verse 10. For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love. So whatever you're doing around here, be sure you're doing it for Him. That way it won't matter if somebody doesn't notice it. And it won't matter if somebody doesn't compliment you for doing it. They may have noticed what somebody else did, but they didn't notice what you did. That will test your character and your motive of why you did it. Sometimes the Lord allows people to overlook it just on purpose to see how you're going to react to that. And the Bible says this, He says, God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love which you have showed toward His name in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. That's being a servant. That's being a blessing. You know, there's a promise to East River Baptist Church that if we would even give such a thing as a cup of cold water in the name of a disciple, that we will in no wise lose our reward. Did you know that? Did you know that we're, that at East River Baptist Church, that there are five chambers here that missionaries go in there and they get more than a drink of water? They get a warm bed. They can get a hot cup of coffee. They can get a warm shower or a cool shower, whatever they prefer. They can lay down in a cool room when it's hot and in a warm room when it's cold. And listen, you think God cares about that? When these missionaries have been driving on the road sometimes for days and they get here and their, and their kids are, are like, uh, I mean, you open the door like cats. Man, they've been let out of a bag. Man, they're running in every direction. They get in there in that gym. They get up there in that game room. And listen, you say, yeah, but sometimes they leave a mess. So, I'd give somebody an opportunity to clean it up and get some rewards. Amen. Listen, if you're going to, you know that proverb that, you know, you can have a clean stall if you want, but you won't have anything. But if you're going to have an oxen, you're probably going to have to do a little bit of scooping once in a while. Amen. I think if I had some cows around me, I think I'd have some flies on the back porch. Amen? I think that would happen. That's just the way it works. I know back in Mississippi, they had tons and tons of what they called chicken houses. I'm talking about a little like the size of football fields. Nothing but chickens in there. And one time my dad, uh, uh, this man owned this little country store, and he, and he somehow or another, he, he talked that guy into hiring me and my sister to catch all them chickens. And a few others. And there's probably a thousand or more in there. And you learn how to catch them. Get a coat hanger. You put that coat hanger down on the ground. And them chickens run in every direction. You just do like you're fishing. Man, you just hook one of them and put them in your hand. And he's a flopping and he's a flopping. Now, if you live near there, you say, Whoo, man, this place stinks. But to the guy who owns it, it smells like money. You understand? Everything that you do is going to have some things like that around it that's profitable. So if you're going to serve the Lord, if you're going to serve each other, there's going to be some places and times of where it's inconvenient and where that maybe you have to do a little more than you think you should. But God looks down from heaven and says, hey, I'm keeping a record of that. I like that. And God keeps a good record. He keeps good books. 
You don't. You never, never, never serve the Lord in vain. You never waste your life. You never waste your time. Even if you don't understand sometimes why He go, let you go through and do some things. You don't always see the fruit. We, uh, I grew up on a farm and we, we would plant our, our cotton in, in early March. We'd cut, cultivate it, plant it, break it up, cultivate it, plant it. Not one of those men on that farm, not one of them, was out there two days later with a magnifying glass looking for the crop. You know why? Because they knew it wasn't time to see anything. There are no fast harvests. There are no quick harvests. You have to wait. And you just keep sowing. Keep doing right. I want to be a part of this. I want to be a giver. I want missionaries around the world to know that East River cares. When we read through these newsletters, we send them thousands of dollars for extra things to help them, to invest in them, in their ministries, and in their lives. Isn't it a blessing to be able to do that, to be a part of that? And let me show you something else over here. Look with me in um, Hebrews chapter 13, something the Lord really likes. Look at Hebrews 13. Brother Ed used this verse this morning. In verse number 7 and verse number 17, there's a couple of things here, and I want to show you, and this is not just for pastors, but also for Sunday school teachers as well. I want to show you some principle here, okay? How we treat others matters to God. Look in Hebrews 13. Look what he says here in verse 7. Remember them which have the rule over you. Just simply remember in prayer and in their position. According to 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5, you love them and hold them in high esteem for their work's sake. That's what the Bible says. It's an attitude about authority at church. Remember them that have the rule over you who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. As we heard this morning in Sunday school, you know, always consider where leadership is carrying you and what you'll become if you listen to their teaching. All right? But notice again in verse number 17. He said, Obey them that have the rule over you. And I would say that even though this refers to to a pastor, I think that also fits to to a teenage boy at home, his mom and dad. Or a young lady that's at home to a mother and dad. You ought to obey those who are over you. And he says, and, and, and if you're not going to obey them, then, you know, you need to consider getting your own place. Buying your own food. Sleeping in your own bed. Pay for your own insurance. Buy your own car. You'll find it's a whole lot easier to obey mom and dad and follow a few rules till you, till you get you big enough to do some things. But you know what? God... Loves obedience. Look at verse 17. Obey them that have the rule over you. Submit yourselves. For they watch for your souls. You know, I'm concerned about that, Brother Ed. One day you and I will stand before God. We will answer to God for how well we watched over the flock. We will. And it says, as they that must give account. But he says, we'll be there together that they may do it with joy. And not with grief, for that is, what's the next word? Unprofitable. Unprofitable. That means that you are putting a dent in your rewards that you are collecting when you get to glory. That it will be unprofitable you. What does that really mean? Well, it means that you ought to be part of the solution around here, not part of the problem. That's really all it means. Be a help and a blessing. 
and be part of the uh, solution and not part of the problem. Look at James chapter 3, verse number 1. Look at this. It's very important. Sometimes uh, people uh, want to be a teacher or a leader, and they push themselves toward that opportunity, whether it be a preacher, a pastor, a missionary. Anytime that you stand and open up the Word of God and you are instructing a group of people, listen carefully. The Bible says in verse 1, My brethren, be not many masters. He's talking about those in authority. He said, knowing that we shall receive the greater what? Greater condemnation. What does that mean? That means that God's going to hold me more accountable than you. That I'm going to be, and, and if you're teaching a class, a teen class, or a young adult class, or any class, it, it's important that you take that role very seriously. Very seriously. Cindy said she was talking uh, to one of our grandchildren that was in Sunday school on the way home today. And uh, he, he remembered almost everything about the class. He was excited learning about Naaman. And he didn't understand everything about what was going on, but he understood about, and he was telling her how that he was supposed to dip himself in that water and one time wouldn't be enough, seven times would have to be done. Got to do it God's way. You don't get to do it your way. He did. He got almost all of it. He just misunderstood uh, one word. And, and you know, when, when, when she mentioned uh, the fact that he had leprosy, she, he thought that he was a leprechaun. It's just a, just a misunderstanding. Just a misunderstanding. I'm sure she didn't say leprechaun. And sometimes you're responsible for what you hear and how well that you hear. The teacher didn't always make the mistake. Amen? So it's amazing sometimes how that people can get in the car and head home and say, did you hear what he said? Did you hear what he said? What you need to do is ask that person, did you hear what he said before that? No. Did you hear what he said after that? No. You know, you need to sometimes put things into context, don't you? Amen. Amen, Brother Roger. All right. Turn with me to uh, 1 Timothy 6 real quick. Give me just a few more minutes of your time. 1 Timothy chapter 6. We're going to look at another verse in Hebrews, but I want you to look at this. This is, this is important. 1 Timothy 6 verse 17. This, excuse me, I'm sorry about that. Verse 17 says, Charge them, verse 17, Charge them that are rich in this world, that they be not high-minded. Sometimes prosperity, sometimes possessions, over a period of time, can begin to affect your mind and your attitude toward others. You forget how you got where you were, and how quickly that can diminish. You have to be careful. He said that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God. Now that pleases Him, who giveth us richly all things to enjoy, which means you don't have to. You can be prosperous. You can have possessions. You can be above the norm and be guilt-free in the eyes of God. You can. He said you need to enjoy the blessings of God. But look what he said in verse 18, that they do good, that they be rich in good works. Don't be rich just in possessions. Be rich in good works. Ready 
to distribute. I want to thank God for some of you who have some things. Often come to me and say, Brother Roger, do you know of anybody that has a need? Do you know of anybody that needs anything? We want to know. That's the right attitude right here that he's talking about. He says in verse 18, they do good that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate. That means ready to give, willing to give, willing to share. But look at the result of that with that attitude. Laying up in store. Laying up where? Laying up in store. The big store. Amen. In heaven. For themselves. A good foundation against the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. All right. So what you do with your money doesn't matter to God. doesn't matter how much you have. It's what you do with what you have. Your talents, your your possessions. If you have a lot of toys, nothing wrong with having a whole lot of toys if that's what God's blessed you with. Just allow them to become tools as well. And let God use them in your life to be a blessing to others who may never have some of those things uh, in their life. And so you think about that that kid maybe that might not ever get to do some things that your kids get to do. And you might have a chance to minister to that kid. So I'm just saying, just listen to the Holy Ghost about that. Look at Hebrews chapter 10 real quick. I'm talking to a church that knows how to give. I'm talking to a church that loves to give. I'm talking to some folks that are a blessing to many people around this world. But I want you to look at Hebrews chapter 10, verse number 34. Look at this. He says, For you had compassion of me in my bonds and took joyfully the spoiling of your goods. That means maybe you went in there and you took a box and you took a whole bunch of your groceries that were in your, in your pantry, loaded them up. And you weren't doing it with a sour face. And you wasn't doing it grudgingly. And you wasn't doing it because you had to. You were doing it because you wanted to. All right. And he says, you took joyfully the spoiling of your goods, knowing in yourselves that you have in heaven a better and an enduring substance. Cast not away therefore your confidence which hath great recompense of what? There's the word reward. Oh man, God loves what? Cheerful givers. He loves it. And He says that if you reap sparingly, excuse me, let me back that up just a minute. If you sow sparingly, you will reap sparingly. You give bountifully, you will reap, and God will see to that. You sow bountifully. God will see to it that you reap that. And then it may not all be in this lifetime. You don't give to get down here. But you trust God for His promises down the road. Now, turn with me to the book of Second John real quick. Second John real quick. For some of you, you think that it doesn't matter, and I, not, not, I say some of you, very, very, very few of you, but probably more who are watching, maybe who don't know us, or maybe they don't know the Word of God. But look in Second John. Did you know that you can lose your reward? A full reward, you can lose that. Just fooling around with people 
who hand out and speak of false doctrine. These churches that are growing and going, most of them are not interested in, in any doctrine. But did you know that doctrine matters to God? If you want to receive a full reward, you're going to have to hang by the truth. Look right here. Look in 2 John. He says, verse 6, And this is love, that we walk after His commandments. You say you love God, then do what He says. This is the commandment, that as you have heard from the beginning, you should walk in it. For many deceivers are entered into the world who confess not, that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. Look to yourselves that we lose not those things which we have wrought, but that we receive a full reward. I'm interested in a full reward. Don't compromise Vital truth. Don't compromise on your Bible. Don't compromise on the blood of Jesus Christ being that which is sufficient for your redemption. There are several things we could mention, but especially what they say about Jesus Christ. If you, There's a lot of things out there on the surface that look the same. A lot of religions and churches that, who will, like, let's say like the Mormons. Let's use them again as an illustration. They, they buy and spend hundreds of thousands, yea, millions of dollars to advertise and give you a King James Bible on television. And the reason they do that is because what they're doing is they're, they're putting some sugar on the turpentine that they're fixing to put down your throat because they're also going to have with that the Book of Mormons and their philosophies and their doctrines. You say, well, that's just your opinion. Well... This book is not my opinion. All right? And they do not believe the right things about the Lord Jesus Christ. He is not the brother of the devil. Amen. And the Bible says right here, look what he says in verse 9. Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Son. If there come any unto you... Bring not this doctrine, receive him not into your house, neither bid him God's speed. Don't help him promote what he is doing. An ecumenical a group of uh, men who differ on the who Jesus Christ is is not pleasing to God. And so anyway, I, I, I know you understand that, but I pray that you'll believe that as well. Let's move on to one more passage tonight. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians, please, and chapter number 3. 1 Corinthians chapter number 3. I thank God for you. I appreciate your faithfulness, the things that you do here. I pray that you would run your race. I pray that you'd stay in your, on the course that God has called you to run. Get your eyes off of other people. Get your eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ. doesn't matter what people think or say about you. It matters what God says about you. Look in 1 Corinthians chapter number 3. The Bible says this about, about how the Lord will determine some of these. Um, this will be our next to last passage of Scripture. I'm sorry, i got one more I need to show you that has something to do with this. 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 3. Notice carefully here. This is after you're born again and after you have served the Lord and then you die or you are raptured up. 
there will come a something that is called the judgment seat of Christ. This judgment seat of Christ, Brother Zach, is not designed to hurt you. It is designed to reward you. It is not God's will to have to take any for you to suffer loss. It is His desire to reward you for your faithfulness. For your faithfulness. Look what he says here in chapter 3. Now there will be some who suffer loss. Your motive matters to God. Your motive matters. Oh my goodness. It matters to you. It matters to you. Well, if, if I notice that, some of you ladies, if I notice that your husband is neglecting you. So I call him into my office and I say, look, you ain't, you're not treating your wife right. So I'll tell you what. I'm going to give you $100 and I want you to take her out for lunch. Just to pay for the lunch. Then I'm going to give you $100 for doing it if you'll do it. And so he says, okay, I'll do it for the $100. But don't you tell her. So he comes home and he says, honey, guess what? I love you. Let's go out for supper Friday night. I'd like to buy you a good meal. Oh, really, dear? Oh, that's wonderful. And so y'all go out to eat. He's looking at the phone. He's looking at the screen. But you're just happy that he noticed you and took you out to eat. You're so glad he's so unselfish. He sacrificed himself. And then he takes you home and lo and behold, you find out why he did what he did. Would that break your heart? Would that hurt you to know that he did that out of his selfishness and not because he wanted to and because he loved you? Now, God looks at your motive of why you do what you do. And if you do it for the right motive, you won't have to have me or other men around here or other women to motivate you to do what's right and serve the Lord. You do what's right because you love Him. Look at 1 Corinthians 3. Y'all still with me? Okay, now look here. Look in verse number 12. Now if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and stubble. He's using this as an illustration of things that will be passing through a fire. Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire. And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. Not the quantity, but the quality. What is it made out of? What is it made out of? If any man's work abide which he hath Built thereupon, he shall receive a what? What's the word? A reward. A reward. He said, well, Brother Roger, I'll just be glad to be in heaven. And I will be glad that you were there. I will. Then I'm going to show off some of my rewards and say, I told you so. I told you so. I told you so. And you're going to be wanting some of them. Nope. Nope. Lord said I couldn't share it. 
We're in heaven now. It's over, buddy. <laughs> Only got one. Nope, can't have it. Sorry. The Bible says in verse 15, if any man's work shall be burned, now look at this, he shall what? He'll suffer loss. But he himself shall be saved. See, salvation is not about works, is it right there? It's not, see, you don't, you don't work your way. This is about what you do after you get saved and God will bless you and richly reward you if you'll serve him because you love him and you're faithful and you do that which is pleasing in his sight. What a, what a, what a deal. Not only did he forgive me and redeem me, gave me a place in heaven, he said, son, I love you so much, I tell you what, if you'll just do right and do certain things that really please me, i got some other rewards for you. God's a giver. God gives good gifts. Every good gift, every perfect gift cometh down from the Father of lights in whom there is no variableness nor turning. What a blessing it is. One more verse. One more, I promise you. One more. 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 13. Now, it's very critical. Very critical. I had to learn this. I had to learn this because it, it, it wasn't promoted too much in my early days of learning and growing and reading and studying and listening to preachers. It wasn't, this wasn't preached on very often. But we have learned that since then, haven't we, Brother Ed, that this is critical in the eyes of God. You may think yourself to be a hero, and God says, I'm looking at you, and I think you're a big zero. First Corinthians 13, look at this. He said in verse 1, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become a sounding brass and tinkling cymbal. Though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am what? Nothing. So you may have a spiritual gift, but you may not be spiritual in using it. Verse 3. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Boy, man, if I am going to give away everything I have, if I'm going to have my body burned, I'd like to get something out of that. I would. My motive matters. My attitude matters. My spirit matters. And then he describes what it is. But I pray that when you do something around here, that people wouldn't regret bumping elbows with you. Amen? I like for, I was uh, teaching in a Bible institute a couple of weeks ago down at Brother Phil Dunn's, and one of the men in the class came up to me and said, uh, he said, I was there a couple of years ago, and Brother Travis Alltop was there preaching, and he said, I met a guy in your church there. And he described him, and I finally figured out who it was. And he said, that guy had such a great spirit about him. I said, well, your first impressions of him are correct. He does have an excellent spirit about him. Did you know, can I say this to you, young ladies, sometimes you think that everything is based upon your appearance your face, your hair. Now, now, listen, it is important. I don't think you ought to look like a scarecrow. I think you ought to try. 
But did you know that you could be the most beautiful girl in this room and be the most horrible person in this room? And your beauty, nobody will see it. After they've bumped and been around, they they don't see your beauty anymore. And, And you may not be the prettiest person, girl, in the room, but your spirit and your personality and your attitude... People don't see the plainness anymore. That's a fact. And so I pray that you'd work on that which is on the inside. You can be around a young man that's a teenager maybe or a young young man that's adult. He may be, man, he may just be, you know, just, he's just so handsome and so good looking. But he may not be after you've met him or been around him for a little while. So work on your heart, the attitude in your spirit. I'd like for us all to be able to stand together at the judgment seat of Christ and lift up our hands together and say, thank you for saving us, and thank you for giving us the privilege to work together as a body in New Canaan, Texas. Thank you for giving us the privilege of supporting missionaries all around the world and not only that but giving them a place to stay and not only that but working on our children and working with each other and ministering one to another. When Paul wrote Romans 16, he listed people's names. When he wrote Colossians chapter 4, he put down people's names who were fellow helpers and helpers of the war. I tell you what, wherever I am and whatever I'm doing, I sure would like to leave an impression that I love God and that I love them and cared about them. What kind of impression do you leave? Are you a taker or are you a giver? Hmm? It starts at home. It starts at home. And it starts in the heart. One day Jesus said, I come quickly and my reward is with me. Let's stand together, please. Father in heaven, I pray that you'll bless this message to our hearts and may our people be motivated and believe the word of God that you are a rewarder of those who diligently seek and that it is not vain or unprofitable to serve you. In Jesus' name we humbly pray, amen.